0: Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for recruitment agency growth and this show has been around since early 2019. And every week we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also wanna focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's gonna go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I wanna find out. So every single week, I wanna forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm gonna speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business I'll bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast. On this week's episode, I'm going back in time. Now, due to a few unforeseen circumstances, I wasn't able to record uh, this week's episode with a new guest We will be catching up with this amazing recruitment entrepreneur. Um, However, rather than leave you with a week of no rag podcast, I wanted to bring back an episode that I recorded in 2019, which was possibly one of the best I've ever, uh, ever done. This guy is known as Tom Glanfield and Tom is the founder of LHI, Lawrence Harvey. Um, At the time of recording, this was pre-pandemic in an office in London. Tom was talking about his business, where he was, at that time and how he was looking to exit, Um, he told his story of launching the business from his house that he renamed Harvey House and some of the stories were incredible, in fact hilarious, I remember nearly crying at one point, Um, but Lawrence Harvey, one of the biggest and most well-known brands from the UK, now in the US and Asia and all over the world Um, and this story still sticks out and still gets mentioned as one of the best I've ever recorded, so I'd love to bring it back. In true rag spirit and trying to get myself in the mode, I've actually put on the exact same outfit today to record this that I wore in 2019. Call me sad, but I just wanted to prove to you that, you know, founders of businesses and award-winning podcasts or whatever, we, we, we don't tend to invest a lot of money in clothes. We can we do wear the same shit for years. So um, on, a, on, a, on a serious note, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Tom and the team are incredible, great business. They've gone from strength to strength since the pandemic, but let's go back in time to 2019 to one of the best episodes I've ever recorded with Tom Glanfield. Without further ado, Tom, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sean. It's good uh, to have you in. Thanks for inviting me. It's all right, mate. It's been, uh, been a pleasure to have you in. We've, we've had an hour with you before. You're, you're one of the earliest guests who've ever arrived in, the, in, my, in my office.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm normally late uh, and I thought uh, this time I want to make some time to, to come on here and find Get in it. in early.
0: Were you... You said you were, were you in London all day? Or you I've been in up?
1: London all day. I mean, I'm quite glad that this is uh, effectively uh, a non-video interview, because I've just been stuck in the Canary Islands for three days. There and, is a uh, video,
0: like, there is a camera right there, so oh don't, don't worry. It's, it's, it's the it's, bad it's, side as well. I've got side a, i I've like got a
1: swollen eye, because I was in a sandstorm for three days, and then... Bad back, uh, so i just been uh, to an osteopath, and I've got that kind of slight drool face as well, so, no, uh, man, so good to stick to the, uh, the, the podcast.
0: Oh, well, well, most of our listeners are audio, but um, if you do want to know what Tom looks like, get on YouTube and have a look, because <laughs> I, I think he looks fine, um, but Tom pleasure to have you in, mate um i've been chasing you for a long time to be on this show and uh, you ignored me a few times but you said you don't read your linkedin messages i
1: am bad on linkedin and he's get way better i remember it, seeing your message and I uh, responded immediately and i i've yeah, messaged you me about like, three yeah, mate, times before like, yeah, I yeah like, mate yeah well up
0: for it i was like well up to the fucking three times before. um <laughs> so but anyway, sorry about that you're here now and yeah. uh, it's a pleasure to have you in so I've given you an intro, but I can never do it justice. Can you just, for the listener's benefit, tell us who you are and what you're up to right now?
1: Sure. So, uh, my name's Tom okay. Glanfield. I'm the founder of LHI Group, yeah. uh, which effectively runs five brands. So, uh, Lawrence Harvey Cypro- Lawrence is a tech recruitment business. Yeah. Which oh, is, the, is that
0: the most well? That's the original, right? Yeah, that was the original business originally
1: yeah. uh, set up. Um, Cypro is uh, in life sciences uh, for science professionals. Yeah. Um, uh, Pythonatics, which is a uh, renewable energy brand. Uh, Hub Harrison, which is the built environment, and XPS, which is a consulting arm of the business. Um, All right. But effectively, it's a good time for the podcast. I mean, I actually did one uh, sort of five years ago um, when I was kind of right in the throes of yeah. running Lawrence Harvey and everything. And uh, and I guess uh, I'm in a slightly different situation now where I, you know, always get a bit philosoph- philosophical with people about where you're going with the, with the business and things like that. And um, And I think when I first started the business, I probably wouldn't be able to articulate this as well, but... Effectively, I've I've always been trying to replace myself with better people, um, uh, and you finally and, and eventually kind of <laughs> step away. And I've finally you know, stepped away uh, as and I've changed my name from C, my title from CEO to, to founder uh, because I've I've now gone to place an excellent group of people. Um, wow. Yeah, and, and over the years we've really matured as a team. I mean, it feels it feels like a family. Everyone trusts each other. A lot of the guys uh, who are now. MDs or running offices, started as a graduate, and they've come all the way through to now run, wow. running New York, uh, MD of the States, uh, running you know, the West Coast operation. Um, so, so I've left in place a great team. We've got a CFO now, a CRO, a group MD, um, an MD of the States as well, a people director, a marketing director, uh, who are basically forming the board of the company. And I, I turn up now and it's like the A team are there, and I'm um, the guy saying things. Everyone's looking at me going, yeah uh, <laughs> um, so how big is the business now so the business this year we're looking to do about 100 million turnover um, about 20 circa 25 million gross profit um, right. uh, and yeah and getting that to a decent EBIT sort of 4 to 5 million EBIT um, so, so what is it
0: 20, 250 stuff
1: it's uh, this year these 250 average probably going for about 300 by the end of the year um, nice. with 8 offices so Manchester Bristol London Munich Paris Austin, LA, and New York. Um, so losing track. Um, and as founder, I've stepped away to, for the board to be running it, and the and business is really yeah, gaining momentum now, and they're, they're taking an amazing journey. Um, and uh, a lot of people are going to realise that uh, yeah, a lot of wealth. I think at the end of it, I've given away equity to all the senior sort of stakeholders. Um, And uh, and me myself, I'm starting to focus now on um, on other enterprises. Uh, I I just love the challenge, so I love startups, and uh, I think that's what my strength is. Uh, So I started, uh, well, I I almost shouldn't be announcing this because I haven't even done the website yet, uh, but I started Tech Capital, um, where I'm investing in other businesses. So I've I've got a stake in Placed, which is an online platform, run by Jennifer, who's an awesome CEO and really invested into her. Um, and also uh, a new company called In-House Recruiter, um, which is looking at placing in-house teams within companies. Um, you know, I've got an, the two directors of that are a brilliant pair. Uh, they've both work, been working for LHI for a period of time now, just um, so Esther McKay and Hannah Peet, um, right. uh, who yeah, coming from a, a recruitment and a job board angle. Um, and um, and yeah, that, that looks like it's going to be a really successful model. Uh, which I want to scale very quickly
0: with the two of them. Uh, All right, so and let's it, let's get on to the future, but let's go back. Mm-hmm. This this podcast is about telling your story, right? So yeah. I, I, we had a little chat before, and I'm excited because what what year was it when you first started the business? Two well,
1: years. so effectively trading really since 2003. So when um, did you
0: know you wanted to start a recruitment brand? At? So
1: I always wanted to start my own business. I don't, I, I don't know why I had a, a sort of desire to do that. What? Well, I, I always wanted, I was always very ambitious to do well in life and, yeah, yeah. and grow something and, um, and work hard. And, uh, I started, I did a degree in civil engineering, um, qualified in that. Uh, and then, um, quickly realized this industry is, uh, pretty slow going. Yeah. Uh, I think my girlfriend at the time I found out I was paying more in tax than I was earning. She was doing recruitment. Yeah. And my brother had just qualified for the Olympics. Uh, I was like, uh sailing so you wow. got um two silver medals uh, wow. uh in beijing and athens and came forth at sydney um and i was like well i need to make it a name for myself <laughs> it's gonna take Get me out a long system. time in engineering so i went to recruitment i joined uh s3 group uh we had a, yeah, a wicked experience with them but i probably would have gone all the way with them but yeah i think at the time it was yeah you having your chair taken away if you didn't make an interview and things like this and i was like, "Yeah." Uh, it's time to leave. Uh I, I think I can do this better. What and, how long were you there? Uh under a year, so wow. about ten months. And how old are you at this point? Uh twenty three, twenty-four. Right. Uh so so then I, I left. Did um, you do well in
0: that eight months? Did you a? Ever...
1: Yeah, I I mean I I was second on the board. When I left.
0: Um but <laughs> That's pretty good in your first year.
1: Yeah, in London, um, but um, uh, but it, you know, it, was, it was actually quite a tough market at that time. Um, I, I didn't think I was ever the best out and out um, you know, biller, um, but I never really got properly going. You know, I was only there for ten months. Mm. Um, uh, so the, the biggest challenge to me when I started was was effectively cash uh, and experience, uh, and I really did the hard way because I was by myself with literally no money and. Um, I was quite aware of of uh, a lot of people said you've a joke at uh, the S3 group that I was there on work experience because I look so young. <laughs> uh, so so I had to start the hard way, the graduate alone. And um, effectively, uh, my decisions in in calling the company name, what I called it, yeah, so and how, how I, I went you, about So that.
0: Lawrence Arby sounds like a. It's super professional, it's a strong name.
1: Yeah, so so I didn't want to call it Tom Glanville Associates or something like that no. because effectively everyone would know I was a one-man band yeah. uh, and I was the director of that company. I actually didn't want people to know I was the director of that company. Um, so, I mean, you take your own spin on this, but uh, I, I I found out legally you can trade under any name you want, but you have to sign everything as if you're a registered director as your... Your, your, your name. So I actually changed my name to traded under Tom Edwards. And my director was Tom Glanfield. So I actually... It, um, was LinkedIn around? LinkedIn was around then? LinkedIn was around, but really right, in its really infancy it. then. No one yeah. was really using it. Um, so, so I was... Is there,
0: is there an old Tom Edwards profile? So like I, well, I uh, know
1: there isn't. Uh, so I was <laughs> Tom Edwards and my director was Tom Glanfield uh, because I wanted people to... I, I always said I was a consultant. Uh, I was Tom Edwards, consultant yeah. for Lawrence Harvey. My director is Tom Glanfield. Um, I changed the name Lawrence Harvey um, uh, again. Not sure if I'm saying this or not, but uh, but uh, I had an old family friend called uh, Harvey. Um, uh, but I I'd heard this story through friends of Packard Bell coming along. Uh, obviously, everyone knows Hewlett Packard, yeah. uh, which is a big global brand uh, now and always has been uh, for as long as I can remember. Uh, but Packard Bell was a small company in Belgium that flew because everyone associated it with Hula yeah. Packard, yeah. with that trust, yeah, you know, subliminal trust in the name. So obviously Harvey Nash was a big name at the time and you had a family friend called Harvey as well. So I thought like Harvey is a great, is a great sounding
0: name, like to yeah. have this parcel of and name, and it could be a spin off of a bigger brand. Right? Yeah, maybe That's I'll <laughs> let people
1: decide whatever they want. Um, uh, and then compliance was a big thing at the time, um, so uh, so I had law, so I had basically law Harvey, so it just flowed. Then Lawrence Harvey, yeah. Um, and then I I actually had I, I started the company in the attic of my girlfriend's house. Uh, I literally had I had nine grand in Where the was bank this? from a graduate loan in Rygate. Rygate. Uh, so I renamed her house uh, the post uh, the post office to Harvey House. Uh, a lot of people. Didn't, <laughs> No, you can do that from, for free. So. Anyone can do that for free. So wow. I went from 32 Effingham Road, Rygate, to Harvey House, Rygate. Um, and you can do that? Yeah. You now can, you can I, do I it. don't know if you can do it now, but wow. I mean, 15 I'm years ago, whatever, my, can, uh,
0: my home's a Hoxo House.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do it. You should do it. Um, <laughs> and I had a tape recording of me and some friends on the phones that I played on Surround Sound. See, this is ridiculous. Um, so what,
0: explain what you mean by this. Well,
1: I, I just think, yeah, everyone. Um, I, everyone buys into success. And, um, uh, yeah, if they, they feel like you're doing well, they yeah. want to be a part of that. Yeah. And uh, So when I called clients or they, they called me, I had loads of people on the phones on, on the surround sound around the office as background noise. Uh, wow. And they made their own assumptions. They, they would just say to me things like, you sound really busy. And I'd be like, yes, we are. Yeah. Um, and
0: people want to we, be as well. Doesn't sound very strong when there's no one in the background. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my dad was company secretary, so we wasn't a lie. There was two yeah. of us in the yeah. company, <laughs> um, and um, uh, and and I just set about doing obviously a, a great job for my clients. I'd come from a professional background before recruitment in engineering, so I really wanted to apply that to to the market, and and yeah, generally do a fantastic job. What for was your, the first few weeks handles. like
0: that, in a, in a attic with eight months' experience? I what the hell were you doing? We just and back in the day, you said you bought well, I, I started
1: completely from cold, so you yeah, didn't take any clients from me, didn't take any candidates. The the real hard way. Um so I, I was thinking business. Uh, uh there's a guy called Vern Harnish who who sums up really well. You've basically got people, strategy, cash, and execution. They're the four core things of any business. Um and um uh, and cash was king then because I, I i after buying five grand worth of job credits i i had four grand left to basically see me through mm-hmm. it took me a couple of months to make my first placement and then that company didn't pay me for like three months after because the guy didn't start for another couple of months so i had to make this four grand literally last me like six months um uh and i literally i was eating baked beans on toast um i was in this attic uh, i remember in the winter uh, my uh, actually sitting there with a duvet around me and my receive my phone froze to the, the handset I actually lifted the whole handset off the, the desk uh, uh, and I'm, I'd come out <laughs> crazy. into the road with like mole eyes but none of that really mattered to me because I was just so focused on making it Were you it doing contract deals at the time? Uh, no perm? it's all perm, perm. Uh, All perm All uh, perm So it took me about a year to save up enough to take on my first employee get enough cash in the bank and again Starting from scratch by yourself is a lot harder, I think, than a partnership because in a partnership, one person can focus on new business while the other person can focus on training or the admin side, filling jobs, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. So, so, when you're doing it by yourself, and you bounce um, off
0: each other, like you can get each other through those low points. Where, yeah, I remember like a couple of moments in our first few months, me and Amma would look at each other like, the fuck are we doing, like? <laughs> Why are we doing this? Yeah, and then you'd be hopefully one of you picks the other one up, um, but you haven't got that, so you're bouncing yeah, and, off an you the wall.
1: Yeah, so so yeah, literally, did you have a uh, window at least? Uh, no, no, there's no oh, windows. No. I just had uh, actually ins- insulation, like literally, uh, but. I quite like that. You know, it's a bit like you know, you're watching an old Rocky movie where he's punching beef or whatever, yeah, yeah, in a, yeah. in a, in a, in a fridge chickens. somewhere and uh, um, chasing chickens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, and that, that was me. And it was really, uh, you know, taught me a lot about business, about getting a real feel for where you are cash. I think a lot of people, if they started with a million pounds in the bank, just would not appreciate no, cash. Not um, and, and for me, cash was king. Uh, How much did
0: you do in the first year? Can you remember what you built?
1: It wasn't much. It was it was about one hundred fifty
0: thousand. Um, Still, if you're thinking about it, you're living in an attic in Reigate Yeah, called Harvey House. <laughs> you're making one hundred fifty k back then. There's a lot of that mo- is a lot of money to make. Yeah, in a year. but
1: but it doesn't go that far because no. um, I I went to put six months worth of running costs in the bank because I knew that when I took my first member of staff, I'm going to have to probably spend a month or two out just training and or or, or billings are going to take a real. Dive. Uh, when I go to an office, I'm gonna to have to put a deposit down. i to, to pay rent. So, so I had to go slowly. So, so the following year, I took on my first member of staff. I moved to an actual office. Um, so, I moved to basically Clapham, to pretty well a council estate where it's the only place I could afford. Um, and I actually had so little money that I, I'd actually split up my girlfriend by that time. And I, so I, I lived in the office for how long? So, uh, uh, six months to a year. So I'd say about nine months. How, I lived how do you in this do that? office, and you
0: had just you and a guy. You had one member of staff.
1: Uh, I had one member of staff initially, but then over the next couple of years, I started getting to about uh, eight, ten,
0: ten. Staff. So when you were living in the office, you had multiple people coming in every morning.
1: Yeah. So every morning, I I would have to be uh, awake, dressed, and ready to open <laughs> the door to the first person who came to the office, and then I'd have to be. Working to the last person left, but that was always yeah. They would have thought that was your my work ethic and and motto, and uh, I think that's really important.
0: Did you ever get caught out?
1: Well, well, yeah. So there was uh, a couple of instances. I mean, one, the main one was uh, I I remember having your your kind of worst dream, uh, uh, where basically I had a sofa bed I pulled out every morning, (laughs) Um, and I remember particularly one morning I think I'd had a few drinks the night before. Yeah, it's always and uh, I woke up naked in bed. Uh, and I looked beside me and there was a cup of tea beside me. And I was like, that's weird. And it suddenly dawned on me that the t- the time, <laughs> and I kind of sat bolt upright, sort of naked in bed, looked around me and there was like six to eight staff around me all working away. Like morning time. And I was like, yeah, literally like morning <laughs> time. I was like, morning guys. <laughs> um, I, I, then I kind of put the duvet around me and sneaked to the, uh, to the bathroom to, to have a
0: shower. Do you think in a way though, like people are attracted, like in the early, when they join a startup, like they're kind of attracted to the, the quirks of a startup, like without, it makes yeah. people laugh and feel more connected than a, you yeah. never get the same people who join the corporate brand that would join you then anyway. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent. Um, I mean, I mean, the the hardest thing for me was to get people out to Clapham and to get people to join a company that was basically in a council estate. And you didn't, um, you'd never
0: managed recruitment people before. No. Um, so you had everything stacked against you.
1: But I, I just, I just think, yeah, leadership. I'd never say I was out of my friend friendship groups. I'm the guy who's a natural leader who shouts at everyone and blah, blah, blah. Um, but in work, I've always led just by being a really hard grafter. And I think yeah. people follow that. Yeah. Um, but you're right that in those kind of early years, you build a phenomenal culture. Um, yeah, and a couple of years after, we actually had... Uh, and I, I learned from it. And I was obsessed about culture. Even... I remember Liverpool thinking the Anfield fans are amazing. I remember seeing Liverpool players always going out and touching the yeah, the yeah. crest. This is and uh, so we actually had an internal motto, which was different to our external motto. So we actually had LHTID internally, which is Lawrence Harvey till I die. And that... Was like printed on T-shirts and stuff, and actually a couple of people got it tattooed on them. Wow! Uh, which is uh, which always shows that people are, are yeah, quite yeah. strong about culture. Well,
0: if, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been asking people to get hoxo on their wrist like um, me, but yeah, after this, I'm getting, I'm getting everyone. Gotta do it, mate. <laughs> no one's done it. No, no Especially if you push out this JJ, podcast you're over. watching. You're gonna get hoxo on your arm. Yeah, he's not gonna Where, do it. Where's his loyalty? He's bottled it, mate. Bottled it. <laughs> where's his we'll, loyalty? We'll be having a chat later. um So <laughs> you, you, what? A couple of years in, you're living in Clapham. You're but Hopefully, well, when, how did when you moved out of the office? Yeah, did you did you then start sp- spending more because you were earning more? Well, so I moved out of the office um,
1: for a short period um, because I, I then I, I probably the next big evolution of the business was going from ten to about twenty people, then saving enough to go to London. Right. Um, so what I did was I I moved out for a short period. Um, I was kind of stuck at 10 for a little bit and I I knew I had to get past this 10 mark. I'd just been taking on graduates um, and I needed to get a bit more experience in the firm. So I I identified sort of three key roles I needed to to recruit for. And that was a a top perm builder, uh, a a leader, a team leader and a a contract, a contract builder because I didn't know anything about contract. Mm. Um, But for me to get those three guys and go guys or girls from other firms i um i was gonna have to pay them a lot of money and guarantees and everything and i and i identified the people i wanted to get on board and i went after them hard um but it meant me taking my earnings back to about 20 grand a year yeah. um even though i was running yeah you know, um yeah quite by then a reasonably successful recruitment firm yeah. about 10 12 people um and uh I, I I just got married as well, um, and my wife can never understand why I was paying myself less than most of the people work yeah, for me. Yeah. And I was like, it's just because you own and run the firm doesn't mean doesn't mean you you necessarily earn the, the most. You know, not um, on
0: the, no, not on the day to day.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, so so I went. I I, I basically. Put my hands right back to be able to enable myself to get these people on board, uh, and I went back to basically living in the office again with your uh, wife. With my wife, she actually worked for the firm. She was uh, right. she was actually my first employee. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh wow! Uh, and a phenomenal consultant. And uh, she uh, unfortunately we're divorced, and we can talk about that later. But um, uh, she's a phenomenal uh, recruiter. Uh, yeah, she joined as a graduate.
0: I wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to update you on what it is I actually do all day, apart from the RAG podcast, of course. Now, most of you know from the episodes that I am the founder of Hoxo, right? What you probably don't know is that we're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies and over 4,000 of their recruiters around the world in every continent and helping these businesses brand themselves and the people in the company better. Now, We have built a creative team over the last six years that helps manage the creation of new agency brands. Obviously, a lot of the listeners in the rag are starting their businesses uh, for the first time. But more often than not, we rebrand tired companies. So many businesses we work with are smashing it when it comes to revenue and performance. But their website and their online story was built back when they started for like 500 quid and it just does not represent who they are today. So we believe getting that right becomes your, building a brand becomes your anchor. Now, every good brand also needs traffic, right? You need people to see it, to come to the website, see you online, and that's where your people come in. So we work to either manage the personal brands of your team or we can teach you how to build the brand yourselves. All of it is designed to give you consistency on LinkedIn that helps you stand out from the competition show your personality, show and add value, and ultimately make more money. Now, I personally speak to potential new customers, along with my business partner, Emma. so I would love to spend some time with you, my RAG listeners that I potentially don't even know yet. Any of you that are interested in building a brand that's fit for purpose in 2023 and beyond, come and speak to us. Just click the link in the show notes, fill in the form, and we will be in touch with you within 48 hours to book a 30-minute video call ASAP. Right, back to the show. I so, how, all right. Pessimism. So, paint this picture then. How the fuck do you and your wife live? So, marit- the marital so, move So, th- so
1: <laughs> this was interesting. So, this was again. I hope she won't mind us talking. This is like again. Was, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this in the podcast. Uh, this is again blagging it. So, um, so basically, there was uh, an office. Um, there was a, there was an apartment above the office yeah. that I was renting. Uh, so, I managed to get in touch with the guy who. Who had that and asked if I could rent it as my own apartment which I did so me and my wife moved into that right but so what, you had a
0: space at least what
1: maybe. the guy didn't know is then I drilled a hole through the ceiling to put a wire through from the servers in the office so I could then cable out that 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 apartment and put computers in so I could get another 10 people in the lounge there <laughs> <laughs> So I then went back. See, JJ's even laughing. Look, this, is a, <laughs> this is a first. He's
0: normally, he's normally reading some kind of gaming blog or something in the background.
1: So then I went, then went back uh, to having to answer the door everyone to the earliest member of staff dressed. Um, I bet, yeah. Uh, which, uh, after a while, I was like, getting a bit lapsed because there's one girl who'd always get in at 7am. Like so I'd quite often answer it with a towel around me yeah, uh, down, while so. I'd get showered up. And, uh, but How then, did your wife cope with
0: it? But. Uh well
1: again she was in the company and she was living and breathing it with me. So she was so, quite so but, she yeah. was invested and um, and she really wanted it to work and so she she yeah, she, so how she did, you, did the same. All right, we're going but, off, but, but go the But the biggest issue the biggest issue was actually the landlord. So he kept wanting to come around yeah every other month and see the place. And I was I'd always like fob him off. And then uh, an excuse every time. one time he insisted on coming around and I was like, Oh my god. Uh so I was like uh so I, I got this day, and I had to move everything into the place downstairs for this one day. It was almost like <laughs> twenty people rammed like sardines, <laughs> holding the door shut downstairs, with surrounded by chairs and pieces and desks and desk four laptops. So yeah, yeah and everyone really? kind of laughing and sniggering. Again, this is like the whole thing of making a yeah. culture and the team. To uh, yeah, yeah. So as soon as he, him going, everyone running Whee! upstairs again with their chairs and tables and uh, resetting up the office. Um, but we eventually got enough money in the in the bank to then move to London uh, and get a nice office. So what year city. was that? Uh, Five. Now years you're asking. Uh, it's probably about eight years ago now. Um, uh, into London, um, so and and that's when 2012. Or something I
0: guess or something.
1: we really started motoring. Um, so so yeah, that
0: what were you? Do t- you remember what you were turning over at that point?
1: <sighs> we were about 40 staff. We just hit so, so you'd crammed 40 into Clapham? So this is, actually, this is 2012. Yeah. So it was about eight years ago, yeah. yeah. So we'd, we'd hit the fast track 100, fastest growing. So you so what, were you growing, 10 years old at that point then? Yeah, uh, yeah nine years old, eight yeah. years old. Um, so we just hit the fast track 100, fastest growing companies in the UK, which again was a great experience, meeting Richard Branson and everything. Um, so yeah, oh, cool. so we were about 40 staff. And our, I, I couldn't tell you, I, I think our turnover was about... Twenty million or something, because right. uh, we started hitting contract quite hard. But you're, you're piling people into a basically May, maybe a, it was a bit less. Yeah, it was about twenty million, eighteen twenty million. Um, but with about forty heads um, in in Clapham, in, we, we no, we we'd got to like twenty five, I think, is our Max in Clapham, and that was like bursting at the seams. Yeah. Um, but again, it was it was a lo- it was a laugh, Yeah. You know? uh, and there's a little pub beside us in Clapham called House of The Blue, who are amazing to us. And every Thursday and Friday night, the whole team would always be in there till basically closing together, yeah. having drinks and having fun. And everyone just loved hanging out. And mm. we'd go to each other's houses. And I'd actually encourage managers to you know, hold monthly dinners at their houses. So we'd take in turns ho- hosting dinners at each other's houses. Yeah. Again, creating that team culture. But, Did you, but that pub actually went bust when we moved mm-hmm. out. Uh, I think they well, so you were realized actually that we were, we were propping them so up. So
0: you, you must have been at a similar age or younger than some of the staff you hired. Um, or did you bring was it all grads that you brought through? No,
1: it was all grads, so so it was a very
0: young company. But uh, you were still close in age. Yeah, yeah. I, I do I, find that like I think that's super important actually. Yeah. Because I think you the, the agencies I've seen now, and I'm not naming any names, but I've seen some guys that are much older than the staff they hire. And if yeah. they, they either if they plug it with that neck the generation in between, I think it works well. Yeah. But if they if they just sit there and a twenty years a gap from the, the staff. I think yeah, I think that I just is. Don't think it works. I think like. that is hard.
1: Um, I mean, I was yeah. I mean, when we moved to London, I was kind of late twenties, and yeah. the average age of coming
0: through about twenty five. So, so yeah, it's just a few years kind of older. Um, so, what was what was your life like then? Uh, so you've moved out of living in the office. Yeah. You've, you 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 you're still married to your wife who works still works at yeah. LHR. Yeah. Yeah. you You've forty staff. Like, what's your life like? What What are you thinking at that point? Because you, you you're a super successful guy at that point in your late twenties. Um, what's motivating you right? Well, so uh,
1: yeah, I think getting to where I am now, where again, I I always thought um, I always had this mantra now that be the stupidest guy in your boardroom, um, and I I always I never I always thought I was the biggest underachiever. Like uh, everything I did, uh, so I'd always worked really hard to be good at whatever I did, uh, and I still sometimes I still believe that now. Um so I was always trying to replace myself uh and get to a stage in the future where I'd create an amazing team and I could actually step away because I I actually love life outside of work. Mm. Um you know I grew up my dad was a social worker my mum was a nurse actually helped us that we didn't have a lot of money uh um, no, did you go? Uh, in Devon, a small right. town in Devon. Um from a sporty family um where I got into sailing there, I had a lot of quite wealthy friends who skied who travelled yeah. and I didn't do any of that and, and I really wanted it um, yeah. so I wanted to to make a success and earn money to have a life outside but I also generally love seeing people's career and creating an opportunity for people I, yeah. I, I love it now and if people say you yeah, know what's more important to your money or the staff 100% of the staff now and seeing people have amazing careers and, and, change uh, their and changing their lives yeah. and, and seeing people who have join me from a, yeah, a, build, a building site as a graduate to now being the MD of the whole of the US operation um, and going to their wedding and um, seeing their whole life sort of it's unfold. And, and so, so for me, um, so I, was, I, was, I, was, I was still
0: obsessed about, about the business. Did you know um, where you wanted it to be though? Like, do you, yeah. So, I get all these startups asking me like, you know, what's possible? And the, and again, I think they listen to this show a lot of the time to to kind of feed off your stories and inspirations. But like I I I don't I mean I've got a plan for Hoxton now, but I don't think I was, I didn't see that when I started. Yeah. I kind of you keep hitting different milestones, and then your vision you, you kind of your your opportunity grows in your head. Yeah. Were you did you always see the kind of two hundred fifty man business then or did um
1: I so I never never really thought like that. I always think sometimes you can turn to a dreamer mm. and not make that happen. It was always just walks in front of me one step at a time um yeah I, I always remember watching football when i was younger and i think it was yeah you had one football manager saying we're gonna win the premiership this year blah 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 And they're like a mid-table side and it just seemed like a bit of a dream alex Ferguson, who's yeah running manchester united at the time being interviewed and they're like are you gonna win the table even when they're top he was like i'm just focused on the next match yeah yeah, yeah and, and so for me
0: they it, all adopt that approach it, now.
1: It was me. I I almost had no, finan- I had no financial goal. Um, I knew I just wanted to keep growing something, be on this kind of adventure with all the staff members on, on seeing something really develop. Um, and, and it's just always been about the challenge for me. Um, I just love a challenge. It's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, so for me, it was just challenging because uh, you always have challenging times
0: and again, managing what cash was the, people. In that first, let's say moving to london is the phase we're at now yeah before that in that f- that whole Clapham and en- entire journey what was the like lowest point when would you say like the most challenging moment you can or multiple moments you
1: uh can i mean there's on. definitely points when you sleep in the office and then there's a leak upstairs and water dripping in your head and you're trying to sort out the it cables uh and you're you're 25 and your mates are all going out with each other getting drunk somewhere and you're working twenty four seven, and you're you're starting to question yourself, yeah, why the uh, and you're paying yourself fifteen grand a year when you're paying your staff, some of them like eighty thousand a year, or whatever. Um, and yeah, and uh, but um, but no, I, I guess I never doubted myself. And uh, did you have anyone just,
0: who you looked up to and got advice from back then? No, no, because it's like if, uh, if I look at me, similar my background. Not from Devon. I actually used to go there in the summers. My uncle lived in, have you had a creditor? Well, yeah, yeah. Used to live there. So we used to leave Manchester down there and run around in the fields and then go back. Um, but I, my, my whole background was about, I don't think I knew there was a world outside of like working in schools or working in, in the NHS or where, where I lived was very, just working class people. And I didn't know an entrepreneur. I didn't know anyone. I, I used to think there was a job called a businessman. Like I thought that was a career path. I still think it could be, but um, it wasn't only till later life. It's probably going to uni and meeting people from different backgrounds where I was like, "Fucking hell!" You and then, and then when I went travelling in London, Australia, and I heard about recruitment, it was, all these things came to me late. Yeah. Um, and then it was people like my boss at Venquist, Steve, was probably he was he was a lad from West Brom, Birmingham. I felt very connected to his background, but he was advising me like, you know, how you can grow your business, how you can buy a house. I had that. Person yeah. for like four or five years, and that gave me the confidence then to leave and do it. Because it sounds like you've had eight months. If your family aren't mad entrepreneurs, who's who's pushing a twenty-five-year-old to be sorting cables out and not being out drinking?
1: It's a really good question. Uh, uh, I still have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Long winded question. I, yeah, I, I mean, again, it's just always been about the challenge for me. And whenever times got challenging, I just that's why I lived and breathed. And mm. even now. Even though I stepped away from the business, um, you know I've got into triathlons and Ironman events, and I live and breathe that. And um, uh, and getting involved in new businesses and going through the challenges of them, I I love that. That's what that's what gets me out of bed. And and that's why I really want to invest in small businesses now and and really help them. Um, you know, for me, it's not about investing in a, a big business that's doing well where you guarantee to make a lot of money. It's about investing in something where you can see the potential um but they're not necessarily making any money at the moment yeah. but you know you can have a big impact you can um, on it. and you can work with the owners and you can work with the people to get through the challenges and yeah you know, and and work it through together and be really hands-on in doing that um so so,
0: so you, it's kind of an it's always been there you just had yeah. this like inner drive
1: so so just going back to to london so obviously we're in london yeah. and um uh, and yeah, I wanted to keep growing and growing the brands so we went into different brands. And Where we, was the first office you went um, to? So well, we had London and then uh, I wanted to go international. So we were specialist SAP recruiters uh, in IT at the time. So I knew I wanted to go to Germany because yeah. well, it's, it's a German company. So I had it in my head, right, go to Germany. Um, so I took a whole team from Huntress um, and opened uh, basically Munich. How did you um, go and
0: get a team from
1: Huntress? Uh just headhunted so I was in touch with the team leader the, the manager of the German office and kept mes- meeting him and um and basically yeah I mean I feel a bit bad because i I mean, think, wants to kill me at the time but took basically the whole German operation which was a massive learn for me because it was really expensive um I didn't know any of these guys so well uh and I learned a lot from it um did it work well it does now and um but we lost a couple of guys immediately just because yeah you know, we didn't know them very well no. and uh, and i think a lot of them turned out to be not quite what we thought they were going to be um we'd paid massive retainers to them which i think um can make people a bit lazy mm-hmm. uh and the guy who now runs our Munich office, Chris, who's actually his, birth- his birthday tonight, which uh, I'm probably in trouble. Uh, I've got to get a 5.30 a.m. train tomorrow. Yeah. I said to Chris, I Good need luck. to get an early night. And he's like, okay, we'll, we'll finish by 5.30. Oh, well. uh, right. He's a great guy. Uh, he now runs the office. And he was a sort of consultant at the time, so he's kind of come through now. From that Huntress group? Yeah, from right. that Huntress group. Um, it's actually taken a lot of investment, Germany. Uh, I learned a lot from that. How um, much time did you have to spend there in the early days? uh so uh, a lot i was gonna know a lot i almost weekly at the start and then every other week um uh we'd opened um in this time as well we'd opened oil and gas um uh which was doing well uh but um the market fell fell out of oil and gas when the oil price crashed um and uh we we then I, i then wanted to go overseas again um looking trying to get uh you know, after the recession and really the oil and gas price crashing soon after uh looking at different revenue streams um so we went to, to New York yeah um and we did it much differently there we we actually assembled a, a four-man team uh from London or basically from our basically our a team our best billers all together who just wanted to go to New York and they were like literally the a team like uh, they they worked from midday to midnight. Every day in, in London for like a year, and then once they hit the target we'd set them, I, I can't remember what it was. It was like a couple of million GP or whatever. They then went to New York, and and that was a phenomenal s- success because it's people you trusted. It was people you knew inside out. You know, it's people you you're on as a graduate. They're culturally yeah people, people you've been to their weddings. Yeah. Um, been to yeah my own wedding. Um, and um. And they they all went to New York and uh, and yeah that's that's right well, it's now a sixty man office. Uh, now we got wow. obviously LA as well. So one of the guys in the original four who went to New York also went on to open the LA office. And then another one the the team the team leader the manager for New York uh, Michael Pot uh, who opened New York originally went to Austin uh,
0: and Mike George then took over New York for Mike. Why why why? Three offices in one country
1: uh, well, there's um obviously the states is a big country um I mean it's funny everyone talks about uh, in Europe you know go to europe and go to Germany go to France blah, blah blah um but culturally they're actually way more different to the states to the states than yeah. the states is much more in line with England the u k as, as a culture yeah. than Europe I mean because yeah. The biggest thing in Europe is you've got language barriers. So, um, yeah, in, in Germans, you generally want to deal with Germans. Ideally, people speaking in German to them, then some English guy phoning up and speaking English. Yeah, it's, sure. it's quite rude. Um, and same in France. So um, so in the States, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an English culture. It's a massive economy. The tri-state area alone is the same economy size as Europe. But the t- time difference is... Um, yeah, you've got uh, on in New York to LA is is what five three, five three hours, hours or something. Yeah. Is, um, so, uh, and and again, trying to see someone in LA, yeah, client meeting. Flying um, around, yeah, yeah flying the costs of flying from one side of the country to the other are high.
0: Um, and, then and I else, think the culturally they're quite different as well. Like, I spent four months in LA when I was younger, and I've been way to new york i've never lived there but for, but i felt like new york was way more european like way more fast-paced they're quite aggressive a yeah. bit more like london and la is like chilled like they're more yeah they're just different people right new york is hardcore it is, yeah it's like it's, london on steroids
1: it's yeah. ag- an aggressive market out yeah. there you know your guys get headhunted uh it's fast paced it's very expensive uh and la is kind of the opposite is but it's still very expensive yeah. but it's very laid back um a bit cooler everyone's on like you know, electric skateboards and scooters and stuff. Um, <laughs> I think and, I might uh, be doing there. I like. I like uh, the yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the climate's amazing yeah. on the west coast uh, in uh, in LA. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's just a huge country, and uh, and and culturally, every state you almost have to treat like a different country. Yeah, they're they're very different.
0: So in these moves, obviously, you learn a lot from the first one. US, you're using more of a. You've took a, a London contingent, and they've gone and landed and expanded across the country. Yeah. How much time did you have to keep? How how are you managing that when you're in the UK well, and how well, how, I, how did you do I, yeah, it? Yeah,
1: a couple of years ago, I was I was kind of like a breaking point of me physically. I mean, I, I think I've always had a good engine on me, um, yeah. but um, I was doing getting to a point where I was doing almost three flights a week. I basically had um, I had uh, I mean I had uh, New York, LA, Austin. Uh, actually, Austin uh, sorry has has come along since I stepped away more um uh Paris, Munich, uh now Manchester, Bristol and London. Uh so there's a lot of offices, basically all reporting to me. Uh and the summer conference, I was trying to present at every office. Uh the winter conferences, we'd we'd do a, a states uh conference uh end-of-year conference and mm-hmm. a European one. So we'd have two separate ones. So it wasn't too bad the travel. But for the summer I'd I'd go to so I'd do a presentation in London then and go out with the London team that night, wake up, basically hungover, fly to Munich. I remember I remember one time I went out of London, uh, was pretty hungover, got up, flew to Munich, had to be out of Munich. i the, I was out with the German team who absolutely went crazy after their their conference. It was a really fun night. But I was in Pasha with them till about three AM. I then had to get a seven AM flight to Paris to then present to them. Uh and then go out with with them in the evening as well, and then fly back on Saturday, wow. basically you know dying um so obviously that that takes its toll on you and uh and yeah, I've always been learning along the way and again i uh, I think a lot of this you, you, you can't learn from books so there's always a different challenge for everyone in business and uh, there's no set formulas it's it's really working out what you need to do and what your priorities are and, and my priorities were to really bring through leadership succession um. Yeah, give that autonomy and trust um, to people to to run their own thing. So, I promoted people to MDs. Um, so I had a, I promoted Mike to MD of uh, of America, Jim to MD of globally, uh, brought in CFO and and James Ash, who, who I met a couple of years ago, has had real impact on the business. Uh, he became basically CEO of the business and is now chairman of the board with Jim as CEO.
0: What at what point did you? Think about getting advice, because you mentioned you did get an NED. So, um, so
1: prior to James, the James basically started as a, a non-exec to me, but was was a, a really great move, really hands-on CRO, which I really needed at the time. Uh, and and I, I value him implicitly now. We're, we're kind of like a bit of a partnership now, uh, looking at businesses. We work yeah. really well together. Um, uh, I think we complement each other really well. But uh he basically became the ceo and now chairman I, I trust him again implicitly uh but prior to them i did actually bring in david higgins and, and again yeah. david I, I learned a lot from david um uh he'd obviously got a wealth of experience um starting up uh obviously harvey nash which is a phenomenal success yeah. well we've got um,
0: we've got david coming in soon so yeah really top guy really nice guy be yeah, and i
1: went to his wedding and everything um and we were together for a few years, and he kind of ran his course. He he was more of a non-exec that I'd come along to once a month board meetings, um, and for the first time, I was actually getting advice on things, Yeah. Uh, which is good and bad because uh, it was someone who's really challenging uh, everything I did, uh, which I I did like. But I'm someone who sometimes sometimes I think people think too much, um, and that sounds a, a strange thing to say, but people think too much, and. They, they start thinking about everything that can go wrong uh, you just think do, and they doing stop is sometimes better than doing. Uh, and just do it just doing it uh, i mean i remember new york um going on against new york and and david you know saying you yeah, know it's, it's tough to open there and you know the costs and the business can't really afford it right now Yeah, and uh and you start doubting yourself um I, I, which he was absolutely right to say you know and uh and um uh, Is really good advice. And, uh, you know, I, I looked him in the eye and said, look, I, I need to get more cash. So I'm going to get 250K. And he's like, well, we're going to get 250 grand from And I um, I then uh, said, I'll get it from the staff. And he was like, oh, how are you going to do that? And I got the staff to all buy equity in the business. And I got the next week 250 grand. Wow. Um, and then we used that cash to start in New York. And we just went there. And his strategy he was like what's well, the strategy to go to New York and I was like they speak English uh, the tri-state area alone is the, the same economy size as Europe yeah uh, just go and if you've, you've got an English accent they're going to add about 10 points on GIQ so over there we're like Superman <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, quite the same so, uh, so, so um, sometimes I just think uh, yeah I, I've had meetings today and, uh, and I've had a lot of meetings recently with people asking me advice on how to open in America and they're all focused on the legal aspect how you know how do I start uh, an ink company how do you get the financials in place blah 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 and that's the wrong thing to think about um, because w- you yeah, y- you can spend all this time setting up the company and a great expense but never selling anything or, or, or doing any sales yeah. my my whole philosophy was let's just bill a lot of money and worry about that afterwards. But did you,
0: are you able to trade from London without yeah, setting up the co- corporation? Yeah, you can do that, and it's still the same now. Yeah, so you could just start up from London tomorrow, yeah. and you could invoice you American start companies. Invoice American, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, then, I
1: mean, along the way, we then took advice and opened an uh, in Inc. registered uh, in Delaware. Um, that gives
0: you then trade. Yeah, and the
1: and and as we then obviously then went over to the states and, and then it opened an office there, but um, but yeah i i think sometimes you just gotta get the sales get get that done and worry about the logistics afterwards because like if, if, if you've got a lot of money in the bank you can pay the best advisors and yeah um and what, while you're small no, yeah you can't do anything that wrong i mean look if it if if someone then contacts you saying hey you haven't got a registered company yet or whatever uh then um get it sorted. then do it <laughs> I mean, little uh, little simply. So, so sometimes I just think um, a lot of people overthink things in business and worry too much about what could go wrong than just going full heartedly into just doing it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people will say to me, "Yeah, in board meetings, you, you say, what's your B plan? Um, and I'll be like, the B plan is there is no B plan. Because um, as soon as you have a B plan, you're already thinking about failure. Yeah, true. Uh,
0: so you just... I don't like the thought. I don't like the thought of B plans. You just make the A plan work. <laughs> Go with the A plan. I like it. I like it. Interrupting today's episode for a message from our sponsor, VinCherry. Now, the year of 2022 was amazing for VinCherry, and recruiters were a huge part of it. Check out their new microsite, which is a scroll down memory lane. And a real thank you to the community that work with VinCherry. The link is www.vincerry.io forward slash year hyphen in hyphen review hyphen 2022. Link in the show notes. If you're a VinCherry customer, I think this is amazing that they're, they're calling you out and giving you the credit. If you're not a VinCherry customer, you probably should be. Give it a look. Right, back to the show. So how long... Oh, so let's, let's take the eight, the eight years or so since you went to London. How yeah. did that trajectory go in terms of headcount revenue across the group i don't expect um, you to know everything but like,
1: it's pretty well a linear it, a line linear. going up just with an average 25 percent growth year on year um yeah we're still we still grew by 25 30 last year as a group and as a group for our size you know we're pretty from 18 gp last year to 25 this year so we're still growing very hard if, if anything we're we're growing harder and harder with a size, uh, which is phenomenal. You know, compared to our competitors, a lot of
0: them are... And are you reporting 1% or 2% growth? Um, Unbelievable, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of growth in our industry, but yeah. what you've done consistently is incredible. What, what, what would you say... Would you, did you keep? In, you told me at the beginning that, that you were always about reinvestment, yep. living in the bloody office. I mean, yep. it's ridiculous, but it, I love it. Would you, did you did you maintain that in a different way? But did all, you maintain that mindset all the way? through? Always, all,
1: yeah. all the way through. And um, uh, I'm either someone I think is completely in something or completely out of it. And I, uh, when I chose to step away effectively this year and become founder and promote Jim to CEO, that culture still exists right to that point. And and I'll be working flat out in a company to now. You know going into LHI now sort of once every couple of weeks really um, because you either gotta live and breathe something
0: or so how did you make that call then? so and when did it, when did you start to feel like actually well what am I doing all? For,
1: for a couple of years ago we started putting in place basically a five year plan or uh, well, three years ago so so sort of three to four years into a five year plan where that plan was very much about yeah, eventually an exit um, and to exit uh, I wanted the business to approve it's running without me, um, and um, and with that is me stepping away, but having in place a, a team below me that that is running the company. So in a way, I feel like my time at LHI is almost kind of done, but the company's time is is really just really getting going. As uh, if you look at Starbucks and Apple, um, like their growth, at their growth is actually quite small until about 20 years of trading where both had exponential growth, like really huge jump ups. And it's because it takes a long time to redevelop a team, a trusted team, get the right people in place, get the model right, get the engine right, get your customer services right, get your training right. And, and I feel like we've, I feel like every leader of every office I have is pretty well the best in their market. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like Ed, my CFO, is ex KPMG, senior KPMG. You know, way brighter than me. Probably looking at me, going, "Who the hell's this guy I'm working for?" Um, uh, James Ash, uh, yeah, MD. of have given Masson before. Uh, a really good hands-on COO. Um Do you know
0: what? And, and all of them, all of them are the best. The best of the I best. So. I don't think. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm. I might be wrong here, but my opinion is. Again, I, I think I want to be like, I look at you and think that's the kind of person I'd want to be, right? Where I'd, I'd completely want to hire better. And I already have. I look at my team now at Hoxon and I'm like, Fucking hell. I said the other day, I said, Friday wrap-up, will remember? I said, across the business, I, we always do this thing where it's like, what was your highlight of the week, right? And everyone's highlights are so different, but you've got a copywriter telling us their highlight about an amazing article they've wrote. You've got a videographer talking about an edit. You've got a strategist talking about a campaign idea. And I'm like, yeah. do you know what? The fact is, I'd hate to do all the things you do, but I fucking love the fact you love it. Like it yeah. gets me excited. But I think that's the bit that these people might be smarter, but the entrepreneur in you is actually what's got them where they are. Like it's what's got them excited. Yeah. So they might look at you, all right, you couldn't do their job necessarily anymore, but they couldn't do what you've done. Or else they would have done it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, you've got to have a very, I think, clear vision uh, and you've got to put everything into it. And-, and I think people trust you. I think that's one of the biggest things I've I've built in the business is trust. That yeah. I trust them and they trust me, and they know I would back them implicitly. You know, we've had we've had death in a firm where yeah you know, I went around uh, to effectively the widow and who worked for me as well and oh my god and financially helped her out to get her through things. Uh, people know that yeah I've had I a girl having an issue with a boyfriend and I let her stay at my house for two weeks uh, to help her out and you, you just go that extra mile for people and if you do that for people th- they'll do that for you and uh, yeah, I always remember Yeah, one of the, one of the few books I've read that I, I, I love is uh, Alex Ferguson's Leadership uh, Yeah, I, love that. Leadership. And, I read that and, and it's and just good and old and fashioned holiday. leadership you know, if you work hard um, um, and people know you generally have their back and you're, um, you you're backing them, them. Yeah. you'll protect them yeah, they'll 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 do the same back to you and um and effectively i have put an equity scheme in place where where staff get up to fifty percent of the business 50? Um, 50. 50. so I said look it's a it's a partnership it's me and you we're doing this together I can't survive without you hopefully you can't survive without me but uh, I'm not sure that's the case anymore uh, but um but you know I want them to be rewarded yeah you know, if there's a if there's an exit in the future if there's a capital event um so everyone's very much invested um. I've never thought this is all about me. It's, it's, it's about us as a, as a, I guess, as a company going through a journey together. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's effectively what's, what's happened.
0: What I want to touch on as well is your, your personal life and your experience mm. of being so successful. And I mean, look, you told me before about the fact that you were divorced, right? So the lady that you lived with in that, yeah. like that, that didn't, that, didn't, that, that was no longer, but, how how it was being the kind of all on CEO and um, trying to be a married man like i'm I'm kind of going well, through that early well, doors.
1: You, well you see you see um uh yeah as successful as i am uh, and i think success is always very much open to interpretation sure. know, am i successful i i can tell you um you know, my brother's got a couple of silver medals in the olympics um i've got yeah a hundred million pound turnover business uh, I'd say that's my, pretty successful well yeah but yeah, my, you know, my sister um, yeah she lives in a very small house in Cornwall she has an amazing family she basically surfs every day her and her husband they don't earn very much money but she's probably the happiest out of all of yes, us yes yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and yeah you know, I, I think to achieve something um, you've got to have had sacrifice along the way and it's what you're prepared to sacrifice and I think you know I would say I, I probably yeah maybe got my priorities wrong a few years ago and uh, I put work over family it, it was a very tough period um, you know I had the I had the recession the oil and gas price had crashed uh, so financially it was really tight I'd moved to the coast because I always wanted to be by the sea and when when the sort of oil price crashed, I was having I was thought I could work more from home, but I had to go back into the office. So I was commuting like four hours a day. I was flying a couple of times a week. Um, so I just never really got to see my family. I had two very young boys, and and unfortunately, I, yeah, I married an amazing woman, and and the the marriage fell apart because I prioritised work. Yeah. and um, so you say, yeah, successful and um. Uh, and yeah, am I truly successful? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm divorced. Uh, uh, I'd say a couple of years ago, no, I mean, I'd say now I have an amazing relationship with my ex actually. Um, now I'd, I've really taken care of her financially. I, I mm-hmm. feel I have anyway. Um, so I've got a great relationship with her and she's got a fella, and they're very happy. Yeah. I have an amazing relationship with my boys and go all the time. Uh, I've, I've recently got engaged and, um, congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, you yeah, engaged in an amazing woman. Um, so yeah, I feel successful now, but it's definitely but, a period where but I but feel successful. A, and, and you, uh, and and I think generally, philosophically, I always say to people, yeah, if I'm advising a business or working with a a, a director, a partnership, whoever, I have quite a deep philosophical conversation of what are you actually trying to achieve here? Um, you know, um, what, what's your plan? Where where are you going? What because you
0: can end up with nothing is that sure sure yeah what what is the point of it all what are you doing it for yeah Yeah, i get that but there is a i think there is a lot of people out there that are going to be in in relationships starting recruitment businesses and it's going to take a toll on it right it's going to take a huge toll if you're going to be working all out putting every penny and every minute of your brain into it into growing something yeah there's only so many hours and in, in yeah days.
1: you asked me earlier uh do you think you could start a recruitment business now and be a successful and I think yes you can but it's a very saturated market would I start myself a company now in recruitment I'd probably say no because I think to make it work you have to be all in you've got to do every hour that God sends you you've got to be you, you've got to work to make it happen I mean let's face it look uh, I've had some innovations along the way in recruitment I've had to learn how to make the best of what i've got with the finance available to me in recruitment but um it's not like apple or where you've created this wonder product that is selling itself in a recruitment it is like a premiership football team you've got have the best players go work the hardest and you will win if you do it better than everyone else mm. so so anyone starting a recruitment company now has got to you you've got to know you've you you, you it doesn't just come to your own plate. You're gonna to have to work really hard. And for any relationship to to work, your your partner has to be invested into the business. Um mm. but it's something that I did realise early on. Um probably more so my employees and my, my own personal situation where uh, I know how all-encompassing it is. So whenever we threw parties, I invited their parents and their partners to the parties. Mm. Um so and it was a bit like parents evening so we'd have say um, when we first hit a million turnover we we had a you know it was like eight or eight staff or whatever and we we threw a party then and I, their parents all came along and we invited clients as well so I had in this bar I had like the head of recruitment for Essentia and my mum and dad yeah. and them talking to them and my mum and dad telling them stories about when Tom was young he did this and blah 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 and I was like oh Jesus uh, uh, <laughs> but it was it, but 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 if, if the parents bought into you and the family around the girlfriend, husband, wife, whoever bought into you in the business, that then they became much more invested in supporting their partner working for you um, and their journey. Uh, and you're, they're trying to build with you. And I think that's so important. Uh, yeah. When we hit the fast track, again, we had a massive party with 40 staff. Everyone's parents again came along. You know, they loved it. Uh, and they're almost pushing their kids to work know, harder, and yeah. partners out the door yeah. to work harder um, because they're so excited about what we we're achieving. And I remember specifically going along to an Accenture, uh client meeting, agency briefing, where it's like me and 10 agencies in a room, uh, me walking in and sitting down, and the HR director for essentially came to me. Uh, hey, Tom, how's how's Bob and Bev? You know, my mum and dad. Uh, I'd be like, Oh yeah, they're, they're amazing. They send their best regards. <laughs> and I remember all the other recruiters like looking at me, going, what the fuck's he done? How, how, "Who's this guy? <laughs> what, he? How do they know his parents?" Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, so uh, I think yeah, personal buy-in is 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 the biggest thing. And yeah, even when I got divorced, I remember standing in front of my company and telling them what's happened and me actually crying in front of the company breaking down a bit again this is what's happened you know it's one that you know um but i'm still in it i'm mm. still working hard and, and i think again if you get that personal touch um and you yeah, know we're all human beings uh yeah everyone has weaknesses and strengths mm. uh then people will buy into you more personally as well
0: so i mean you you're in a position now where you step back what what's your life like tell us what, what what's world like for Tom right now
1: uh well so um yeah I thought when I step away uh, you know hitting 40 stepping away more um, yeah I could go live on a beach or whatever but yeah that's not the case I, I'm not wired that way I, I love the challenge you do love, live near the sea right I do live actually by the beach yeah. uh, I do live by the beach but um, I've got into triathlon so I'm, I'm doing Ironman events now so I'm, I mean, even tomorrow morning, I've got like a, I've got to get a 5.30 a.m. train to make a swimming lesson, which I've got. But if you're hungover
0: as fuck, you're not going to be able to do it. Like You're going to be I, I will.
1: I'll make it. Even yeah. if I'm vomiting in the pool, I'll, well, I'll make go. it. there you That's, uh, the, old, uh, uh, that's so, the guy who
0: cleaned his own windows and uh, sorted out the cables in the night. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, so I'll do, I'm doing that. But, but as I say, I, I've started TED Capital now, um, which, again, might be a bit premature to say because I haven't even launched the company yet or so the website. But, but the
0: premise of the brand... But the premise of the listening. brand,
1: yeah, is is to invest uh, and work with entrepreneurs um, uh, in sca- helping them scale a business. I feel like I feel personally like one of the most well qualified people in the country to do that. I've I've taken a company from effectively nine nine k graduate loan to 100 million turnover. not me and by myself. Yeah, like not I mean, obviously I've done it as a team of my staff, but not as a as a joint partnership. Two people starting together. Um so I, I know all the pitfalls of management, cash, strategy, um and I I feel like I, I I want to work with people who I think
0: Does it have to be recruitment?
1: No, it doesn't. Um I mean I've I've started In House Recruiter, which is recruitment but it's it's a different spin to a, a standard recruitment agency and I'm I'm excited about them, Hannah and Esther. Um but uh but I I, I will buy out I I I think the fundamentals of business are the same, same right it's about people cash strategy and any execution and and that's the key thing um uh and if you get that all right um then the business will fly uh so so no it doesn't have to be recruitment i guess my brand and my contacts are uh, generally in the recruitment industry so that's what i come across a lot yeah. um but um but no um tech capital to uh, be investing in in multiple different.
0: So if it, if I, if I'm listening now an and I'm thinking right, I'm about to launch my recruitment business. Yeah, I know. I'll have a chat with Tom, find out what you can. Do, what would you do for that? Person well, for me, people. it's
1: it's about getting fully involved. You know, with with the the business owner um, or co-owners or whoever started the business to really understand their goals and and understand their challenges. Um, and and that's for me is the excitement. Um, I I love that I it's not about the money for me I I like to invest into them uh, and ideally get some equity in the firm but to really bring value and to see them really scale something see someone's see someone go through the hard graft of making a truly amazing business and being a part of that
0: and and that's what I love and you'll take you'd also look at there's as you know like 81 percent of of recruitment businesses last year in this country were sub ten staff and that yep. there's a lot in that kind of where you were back in the day where they're then they're just not kicking on. As you-
1: as long as I've got someone who will work as hard as I could work, um, I could take any ten man recruitment business to a hundred man plus. I absolutely guarantee it. Hmm. Um is there any markets you're interested in or would it be any? Ma- no, it doesn't matter the market. Hmm. Um it, it's it's literally down to the people yeah, the strategy part, um, you can always work on. Um, but it's it's literally just working closely with the owner. And a lot of people say, yeah, what's your model? And blah, blah, blah. And, hey, I'm sure I, I need to come up with something more catchy. But uh, the business is is about, is is uh, is it's unri- is, is unwritten, the challenges. You, you need to understand the challenges. You need to work with that owner. Um, and you need to know where where... They can add, you can add, I can add value um, and where they need to be maybe more self-aware. Uh, I think one of my only strengths when I started you know, LH was, was being very self-aware, being self-aware that I looked extremely young, uh, so no one's going to take me seriously. Um, so having no ego, um, you know, that I'm prepared to be just a recruitment recruit consultant and not a CEO or director or um, you know, I remember even David Higgins saying to me when he joined, Tommy, you need to change your job title to CEO because I was just director. and I remember writing back, going, Isn't that a little bit small penis? And uh, and he wrote back, going, No. And I looked at his job title, I said CEO. <laughs> I was like, Oh god, oh. um, <laughs> uh, but um, but uh, but um, I think it's just not having that ego and and looking at yourself or someone helping you look at yourself and what, what, what are your weaknesses, what are your strengths, um, and being able to help you help you yeah you know, someone a lot of people can't do that they, they actually they can't admit if they're bad or something or they can't let go of control or uh and and they're massive blockers to them starting and, and scaling a business um i see it all the time uh the, the biggest thing a lot of that stopping people grow is is their egos or greed and holding to their equity or you know whatever it is it's going it's going to vary from owner to owner but i truly believe and again, I'm I, I love a challenge. I'm up for any challenge that I believe I could go into any business around about ten, twelve, fifteen, whatever people and really help them scale to a hundred people. Um and hey, I've n I have have not failed doing it yet um and
0: sounds uh, exciting sounds really exciting
1: so maybe i will one day but um but uh but yeah i can't wait for the next chapter and to and to really get involved with different businesses and you've
0: got time you've got the you've got the you've got the, got the to do i've got now. the time
1: experience now and um yeah if there's capital events in the future with, with lh you yeah, know the money to also invest in the backing um and the contacts as well you know i've got very strong um yeah, team of James Ash, you know my current CEO and LHI, who I know you know, will also want to be involved. Um, so I think there's a real gap in the market right now for just a good, honest investor who wants to graft and uh, get involved. Um, yeah, I think certain people who, are, who are, I'm not going to name um, have kind of ruled that industry, and they've they've just been in it for you know what can I get out of it? You know, I'm going to invest. I'm going to give you 500 grand as loan notes. Um, <laughs> And take effectively your whole business off you. Yeah, yeah, you know, shaft you along the process, and uh, and it's not and, about that. And uh, and get a lot of money out of it. Yeah, for me, that's 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 not fun, and you can't look yourself in the mirror. No. Uh, and and be proud of what you're achieving. It for me, it's it's about the challenge, and uh, and working with someone and and seeing the impacts
0: in their lives, and and how you're changing the lives of all the staff in that company. And and I I do think. Like you only know what you know, right? So having someone in the background like you that's been through probably everything they could think of. Yeah. It's just that end of the phone sometimes that you just need that especially if you're a solo owner. Yeah. If you're a solopreneur and you're like I feel like having a business partner has been for me, been like more than anything, it's just that, that bound that that decision board. Like you don't fuck you've never done half the things you're doing. Like you constantly come up with things that are new. So you're like what do you think? <laughs> yeah. And I, I actually have got to the point now where my first question all the time is, what do you think? Because I want to get everyone else's, Not, I'll make my own decisions, but I love getting other people's opinions because I feel like the more I'm trapped in my own head, the more I'm only ever going to do what, what I do. Yeah, right.
1: you got to speak to a lot of people and uh, and it's very easy sometimes to get stuck in a certain way of doing things of and and someone else to tell you, yeah, change that or... Um, and, and it can make a massive difference. Um, you know, if we hadn't opened in New York, it would be a very different business to what we are now. If I'd taken advice about closing certain sections of the business that weren't me. it could be a very
0: different business now, you know. And, so, what, um, all right, so that final questions are. Not everyone's going to end up working with you, right? not everyone can do that they're not they're not prepared. Or they haven't got the time whatever so yeah. anyone listening and and again, we're getting a lot of listeners now, but also this is evergreen. this people are going to listen to this in the future yeah what give them, give me three tips that you would give any aspiring budding entrepreneur or per, someone who's in either in the thicker growing at the minute or they're about to start three tips that they should hold on to to be successful as a recruitment owner
1: uh the biggest thing is um, to look at themselves, to actually critically look at themselves.
0: Um, self-awareness. Please.
1: Self-awareness. Um, uh, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, and be really, really, really honest with yourself um, about what you need to do to yeah, maximize your strengths, but, but really work on, on the weaknesses because um, it could be something that's, something small that's completely holding you back. Um, Uh, it's to be able to articulate a clear vision. Um, The biggest thing I speak to people about, um, I I got all my team leaders once and I said, what what makes a good leader? And all of them said having a clear vision. And they said, we follow you because you have a very clear vision of where the company's going and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, great. I was like, so so can all of you tell me what the vision is that you paint to your teams? Um, And none of them could articulate their vision so it's the one thing that everyone says is key to leadership but it's the one thing that a lot of people for some reason don't actually sit down and work out and articulate um and next one is is cash and 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 it's it's uh it's really it's really working out um what cash you need to scale to the next level and how you're going to get it and and having unique ways of getting cash because cash is hard to get, especially when you're a small company. And, um, you know, i come up with novel ideas like selling shares or guaranteeing 8% returns to staff if they reinvested. And, um, and, and all the way along, it's been balancing that, that kind of cash act. Um, and the fourth one, I know you asked me for three, but the fourth one is just being prepared to put in all hours to make it work because you've got to be 100% in it and no one's going to follow you if you're the type of leader that gets in, you're last in the office and first to lead. No. Yeah, you, you have to be the one who, who is the grafter. Who yeah, If I look at football, uh, I always think it, it, one of the best leaders I've ever seen on a football pitch is David Beckham. Um, people might laugh at that. But I remember you, know, you have Tony Adams or whatever, the England, ex-England manager. 'cause she's how old I am. Uh, shouting at everyone, blah blah blah. Yeah, and and in a way like a good man manager, man leader, um, naturally. But but David Beckham was the silent guy who just turned up first one in training, yeah, Alex Ferguson would always say, first one on the pitch, last one off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the chips are down, always fighting, and he just led through inspiration. And that's the best way to lead. Um and you gotta be that guy or that girl, um, yeah, who's leading from
0: the front. If you're not leading from the front, no one's gonna follow you. Um, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, look, I think amazing nuggets of information. And do you know what? It's just there's too much of your story to get in an hour, and a, we've got an hour and ten. There's just too much. So maybe we'll have a part two with you at some point. I think it'd be... <laughs> sure. Let's we'll see what's going love on. i come back. Yeah, I'd love it. If, if if anyone wants to reach out, obviously you're interested in investment. But at the same time, if people just want to ask you questions, I I, I imagine you're open to, to listening. Yeah. Um, what's the best way to get hold uh, of uh, you? The LinkedIn best way to get sound... hold of me is
1: e- email me. So t.glanfield at wearellhi.com. Right. I haven't set, set up to take capital uh, one yet. Uh, but but yeah, or, or try me on LinkedIn, I'll be better Check checking my messages yeah, yeah, now on LinkedIn. Be, <laughs> you know, I'm going to start uh, helping
0: with you getting that but, sorted out. I think. But
1: the best way to reach out to me. A lot of people yeah. don't and the ones that do, I, I do try and meet and uh, I met with someone today who just asked me their advice and stay up in the States who I didn't know very well and yeah, we had a great meeting um, and it's been great to meet you. Thank yeah. Sean, thanks for inviting okay, me. Yeah, on.
0: first time meeting you as well. So look, thanks so much, Tom. Um, this will be going out very soon and anyone who's listening, please do reach out to Tom. This guy is one of the one of the shining lights in the industry there's not many have done what you've done so well done mate and um that's it for another episode of the rag i hope you've enjoyed this as much as i've enjoyed recording it um as i always ask if you are listening and you are you're getting value from this podcast my aim is to reach as many recruitment owners aspiring recruitment owners around the world as possible so get on linkedin share your views share your thoughts um tell your friends i, I did I do get stories every week now of people saying, you know what, I've just been, someone just WhatsApp me your episode, I loved it. Um, so I know people are doing this. Please, please, please do. Also on the Apple store, you get, we get to travel much further the more reviews and, and ratings we get. So please be generous, get on there as well. Um, I'll be back again next Wednesday with another story of growth. Um, see you soon. Thank you as always for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week, is to ensure that my audience, future, and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode is brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media, and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2,000 recruiters right now both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at desk level, individual recruiters in your businesses, how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves, that's how to produce content, that's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. and would love to talk to you. I'll see you soon.